Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who are able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. this episode, I interview Sean Banks, the founder of the motivational youth magazine and conference, You Can Have It All, also known as YCHIA, and the founder of the Camp Warrior King, a summer camp program for Georgia youth to experience all that beauty and nature has to offer. In our conversation, Sean and I discuss the origins of YCHIA, how you should set up your vision board for the coming year, and how he created the first motivational youth magazine in the nation. So go ahead, tuck in, and give this episode a listen with Sean Banks. Welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. Today with me, I have Sean Banks. He is the founder of of You Can Have It All conference. It's a conference that focuses on uh, teaching and empowering youth that they can have it all and they can follow their dreams. And also you are the founder of Camp Warrior King, and that is a summer camp program where you take children from different uh, cities around where you are in Georgia and you guys go hunting camping, and they also do some fishing and stuff like that. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Man, hey, Moses, thank you for having me. Man. You're welcome. So, how did you end up starting You Can Have It All? What was the thing that you would say really pushed you? Well, it was, I had been in youth development for a while, but once we had started you can have it all conferences. And what I noticed uh, in the kids was just a big, there's just a huge need for personal development in youth, kids ages five to 15. So, you know, I mean, they're playing sports, they're doing all these different things, but there's just a big need for improvement of focus, self-confidence and self-efficacy really. And 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 the difference really was between self-confidence and self-efficacy is, you know, self-confidence is the idea that I am, right? I am somebody. And self-efficacy is the idea of I can do, right? I can do something. I can accomplish this. And and when we just saw that there was a huge need for that. And so I started the conferences. So when did you guys start the conference? As far as the, the year? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, 2002, see, in my senior, so 2013. So we're talking 2016, 2017. About that time is when we started doing the youth conferences. So 2016. 
is when you guys started doing the, the youth conferences. That what do you say uh, that there's anything around that time that really made, wanted you guys to start it then? Or was it something that's been in the process of, I think you said 2013 is also a time when you guys were like, thinking about it, but it was launched in 2016. Is that correct? That's correct. So the, I mean, you know, we started seeing the need for it before then. And what we were doing at our camps is, you know, the camps became a, a motivational development camp where, you know, we wanted to inspire kids and expose them to activities and things they normally wouldn't experience during the school year. And by 2016, 2017, around that time, we started, you know, opening the conferences up to other other camps, other schools, you know, other cities, things like that. But before it was just something we were doing, you know, with the kids that we had at our at our programs. We want to open it up, give more kids exposure to the opportunity. So what do you say that there was someone that that guided you into into creating this this conference? Did you have a mentor of any? I had a lot of mentors that I followed throughout the years. Just different people that I admire, people like Dexter Yeager, George Halsey. You know, then there are, you know, I guess, you know, more famous people you think about like a Les Brown or a Jim Rohn or Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar, people like that, that, you know, just inspired me in my own life in different ways. And I recognize that there's just a huge need for youth. And the, because the, the knowledge and the information is the same, it's applicable to anybody just doing it on the level where, where they can understand it. And with so much exposure to social media and TV and just how the world is changing, you know, kids need to be, you know, they need that development with the suicide rates as high as they are. You know, there's just a huge need for kids to believe in themselves and to believe that they're needed and wanted and, and have a purpose. And especially that purpose part, because it makes you feel as if you are part of something bigger than yourself and that you are a contributing member rather than someone that's simply just mooching off of other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you started your You Can Have It All conference, were there any challenges that you encountered in terms of setting up venues, events, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Uh, there, are, there are challenges. Every, every year, there's a series of challenges. The challenges don't go away. The, like right now, the biggest challenge is that, you know, can't get all the kids together, right? Physically. But when we started, yeah, the, the very first conference we did was in the fall and I'll never forget it, man. We, we went and we practiced, we rehearsed, we did all this stuff and we went to do the conference and no one showed up, like literally not a single well, I take that back. There was one gentleman that showed up and uh, he, he came and beside, there were no kids that showed up. None of their parents, the one showed up. And so that was very challenging for us. And, you know, what I told everybody to do is I say, Hey, look, we're going to run through this event just like we had practiced. You know, we're going to do it just like, you know, it's a room full of people. And, and we did that. And we went down the hall. We're in this, uh, big convention center and we went down the hall to the large like the larger rooms and i'll never forget it. we went down there to the larger rooms man and 
And and I said, we're going to pray. And we prayed and we prayed to be able to, you know, enlarge our territory and that this would never happen again and that we would have more people and that we'd actually fill up the room that we were standing in. And uh, let's see, about three years after that, we were actually, actually filled up that particular room, that exact room that we were standing in. We were in that room and had filled it up. And then the next year, it was too big for that room and we had to go to a whole other room. And so every year it just keeps multiplying and getting bigger and bigger. But lots of challenges, man. So what's the biggest venue that you guys had to, that you filled? As far as the amount of kids that we've had? Kids, participants, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, right now we have several thousand kids at, at any event. The one we we're scheduled to do right before COVID hit was at the Georgia State Stadium. So that one would have failed. We were estimating anywhere between seven to 10,000 people. Wow. Yeah. So um, with COVID and the pandemic, how have you had to switch from in-person events to virtual events? Well, the when it comes to youth, I didn't do a whole lot of virtual events when it came to that. What we did instead is, you know, we worked on the things that we were still doing. So, you know, our, our self-defense programs for women and children, we continue to do that. We still had our camp because one of the things that we noticed was that in some of the pediatricians that we had spoke to talked about the importance of kids still being able to interact. And then we also have the, you can have it all youth magazine, the youth motivational magazine. And that was the biggest thing that we did to, you know, for, if you will, the, the lack of, you know, physical interaction is we created the magazine to get kids motivational development and something that actually is more, you know, is further reaching than the conferences are. So whenever you were starting the, the conference and you've been going at it for a while, was there anything that you learned about setting together the conferences, about getting people in that you didn't know when you first started out? It was all kind of stuff that I learned that I didn't know. A lot of logistical stuff. I am still learning today, you know, as we go forward, just different things that we have to do. Every time you do a conference, you're going to learn something different, you know, about yourself, about the event, about how to do the event. Every time, if you're, if you're paying attention, there will always be something that you wish you could have done better uh, or something that you want to do next time. Some of the things I've learned, you know, things like the importance of, you know, keeping your schedule, right? Putting in buffer time in between speakers and events so that if you say, hey, look, we're going to start at, you know, two o'clock and we're going to be finished at, you know, four o'clock, that you're finished at four o'clock, being able to do that, not going over your time too much. The, you know, we, we have learned things like, you know, the importance of music, which was always important to our conferences, but, you know, infusing the music and the act, you know, making sure that the people in the audience are, that they're interacting. Uh, our events are big on interaction, more on, and big on engagement, as opposed to, you know, people just standing and sitting and being talked to. Adults don't like that. Kids definitely don't like it. So, you know, it's just a lot of we learn. So it's making sure that everyone connects with one another in such a way that it becomes more of a, a memory that they can hold with them rather than just a one-time event. 
Absolutely. Because I mean, you know, we started doing dream boards, vision boards. One of the things we want to do this year is a big, you know, vision board uh, session. We've done them in the past so that they can take something away uh, because those are mementos, right? For the kids, you know, something that they might have in their room and put up on their wall that will inspire, you know, a kid to say, hey, look, you know, I, I want to be a doctor and that will encourage them to continue to do it or to be, you know, to be in film, right? Or to do anything for them to be inspired. Our goal is for them to see what we're doing or to see something at the event and for it to carry, carry over. How do you put together a vision board? Is there a certain way that you do it? Or is it just whatever order you think that you want to see things occur? I think that it's whatever you can, I think with the vision board, a board, you can do it however you want. Everybody learns different. We all process different. So it's really the best way that works for you. So for example, you know, one person may say they need, they want words. They may not need a lot of pictures. All right. Fancy car, or, you know, let's just say a Bugatti and they might say a mansion and they might say a trip to Paris. And it could be all words. And that's good enough for one person. Uh, person B might say, man, I don't need any words. I want all pictures. Person C might want a combination. Person D might want it all in chronological order, right? First, I want to get the Bugatti and I want to get the house and I want to get the vacations, right? So it's really about what they want. The most important thing is that they do want, right? Or that they have something that motivates them. Yeah, another thing about the, the vision board too is that it's also great for, for spiritual stuff. If you, if you have a spiritual goal, it's really good for like in the morning you wake up and the first thing you see is, you know, the scripture on the wall or the quote from this person. And it then inspires you to live that day in that quote or in that scripture and you, you act it out throughout the day. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's the vision boards are much more better than trying to remember it because whenever you try to remember something, you usually forget because you have all this other stuff coming at you. So many different angles throughout the day in terms of responsibilities. So having a vision board that you can then have something you can focus on. You can have something like if you want to just be a happier person, act happier. And you can also pair that along with something material if you, if you want to. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it can be used for anything. I mean, whatever's important to you and you know, what's important to it, different things are important to different people. And so what's more important is that you have a vision, right. Or, you know, whatever a person can call it, I me mean, a vision board, a, you know, a dream card, whatever, you know, what's more important is that you have it on there. You're absolutely right. It can be used for so many different things. You can have more than one. Yeah. Do you have a vision that you haven't yet seen, but you think in some way is is happening? Yeah, absolutely. The part of the thing that we're doing with, well, we have several, I mean, just things we're doing with the orphanage. You know, so the orphanage is you can have, orphanage and you know we have a vision to continue to grow that and to be able to develop the kids and you know and we definitely see it happening i mean it took years before we ever got our first you know sponsor or don't person to donate 
to the orphanage. And so, you know, we definitely are seeing it grow. And, you know, so that's good. Well, the orphanage is in Uganda, East Africa. It's actually there. It's up and, and running right now. The orphanage is in Uganda, East Africa. So is it doing, doing well? Is it like, I don't know. How do you, how do you determine whether or not an orphanage is doing well? It's doing well. You, you determine whether or not an orphanage is doing well based on really based on the happiness of the children and are they beginning to get the things that they need to go to be productive in life. So, right. So for example, in in our orphanage, when the first started, the, there were no, the, the kids didn't have any windows or any doors on the orphanage. They were sleeping on rocky floors. It was just brick walls, right? It wasn't, you're right. And so now, you know, we've got some walls painted. We put windows in, we've gotten doors in. And so that, you know, creates a, a more comfortable situation for the kids to be able to, you know, be productive in life. You know, we're getting beds put in. They start, they actually started school on January the 10th. So we have kids starting to go back to school and be able to get an education, which, which in, in Uganda is critical to be able to get certain jobs, right? Like you can't even apply if you don't have an education. And so, you know, that's kind of the gauge for, is it, is it better? I, I think that we, we'd almost become too self-righteous if we said, yeah, it's great. You know what I mean? And, you know, because, you know, you know, it's the situation in itself is not great, right? That the, that there are children that don't have parents, but I think that we can make it comfortable for them and for them to have a happy life and to be able to move on and be productive. Yeah. And so even like supporting people in such a way that they can then go out and do the things that they, that they dream of doing rather than having an idea that since they are from this area and that they've lived this way, this is the way that they will be living. Right. Right. So in terms of the education, is there something in the curriculum that is encouraging them to be, be creative thinkers in terms of problem solving? and learning how to just solve like world issues. I think that that's something that we can aspire to. Those are the kinds of things that we want to do to be able to get them to a place where they are doing that. I mean, a lot of that's in conversation with them at school, right? Cause they go to school, like how, you know, how we do. And so they have those kinds of conversations, those kinds of, you know, discussions. Uh, I think the more we're able to build the orphanage and get them where there's, you know, a lot more stability in their life, then you can have those conversations as far as a lot of other world issues. Biggest issue right now, you know, I mean, they, I mean, they go, I mean, they, they play, they have a good time. I mean, they, they do soccer, they're in, you know, band and different things like that. But, you know, our priorities is getting them, you know, getting them the education they need so that they can go on solve world issues.
Have there been any tools or resources that you've used over the years that you would say really helped you to not just launch You Can Have It All, but also help it continue to thrive? Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing that's helped me is reading and listening to motivational information. My my personal opinion is that I could do it more. That's one of the things that I strive to do now as an adult is to do it on a daily basis because, you know, for, for me, it's something I need from constantly pouring out and, you know, you have to be able to get it back in to be able to, to be able to fulfill your mission, right? Fulfill your goals and your dreams. But reading lots of books, listening to lots of positive information has been a thing that has helped me the, the most. Have there been any books that you have gotten a lot of information out of that you either read once, got the information, put it down, or that you keep on going back to continuously to glean more information? Oh, there's lots of books like that that I go through. I have books that I've highlighted so much that I, you know, I just now go back and now, you, you know, you've read them so much that now you go back, you kind of go back to the highlights. Sometimes you're reading, you'll find a new high, you know, some new, new you didn't see. But books like The Magic of Thinking Big, um, books like Unlimited Power, books, I mean, the the, the best book you know, to me, you know, for me, that's helped me more than any book ever is the Bible. Books like Don't Allow, Don't Let Anyone Steal Your Dream. I like Russell Simmons actually has two two books that are really good. One is called Super Rich. The other one's called Do You. Those are two really book, two really good books. And the reason why I like his books, I can't remember which one it is. I've, I've read them both. One talks about living in the present. And he talked about the importance of living in the present. So many times we're living, we're focused on, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. And so we're so far there that we're not really enjoying where we are right now. We're not really, you know, I mean, like this time is very precious. So I really like that. And then, and then there's others. Let's see here. The Richest Man in Babylon is another really good book. Um, let's see what other, what other really good books I have. Uh, Max Out by Ed Milet is an excellent book. You have Four Seasons by Jim Rohn. That's another really good book. It's, it's, it's different. Well, actually, it's called The Seasons of Life. I'm sorry. Jim Rohn's book is called The Seasons of Life. And, and that's really good because he just talks about just the different stages and relates it to business or, in, you know, or development and how you want to be, you go through these different seasons and what you should be doing during that time. So, Yeah, that's one of my, my favorite books too, The Seasons of Life. Yeah. In terms of how yeah. every season there is something that needs to be done in order yeah. not to, to, just to be sufficient for that season, but also to, to continue on to the next, to jumpstart you into That's the right. next season. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You got to use yes, your, yes. yeah, your summers are your summers. You got to prepare your summers for the, for the winter. So then that way you're not right. losing your daylight and your, your your sunshine in the summer to right. stupid stuff and then in the right. winter time you then freezing in the cold. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I like and I like the idea of this because with the summer 
you know, he talks about protecting what you, what you've sown, right. From the springtime, yeah. right. And how it's ultimately challenges are a part of life, but you're going to have these challenges. You're going to have these issues. And uh, one, one thing he said that really stuck with me was to sow or, well, he didn't say so, but plant your seeds massively and it's, it's massively and intelligently, you know, just, so it's get a lot out there, right. To the point where the rocks and the thorns can't take up all your seed. Cause you got so much out there. Something's going to stick, right. It's kind of like the idea. If you throw enough crap against the wall, something will stick. It's that same idea. And it, which I think is so true. Yeah. You just got to get as much as you said, much, much out there as you can. That's also good for, for ideas. If you have an idea, just, you know, write it down and then keep on writing down all the ideas. And then eventually one of them will make sense and be something that you can then continue to work on down the road. Absolutely. So has there been any challenges in your personal life that you would say informed who you are today? Yeah. Uh, Lot, lots of them. I mean, the, I mean, I think every challenge we have, you know, kind of forms you in a different way. Several that were, you know, kind of monumental in my life. You know, I had one when my aunt and my cousin were murdered on uh, domestic violence situation. That was one that was really big because it really kind of rocked our family. But it also, what it allowed me to do once I got older was to do something in their honor that I had always wanted to do which was to create, you know, a business that would help other women and children to protect themselves. And so, you know, I was able to do that. And, and, and then also just, you know, having it have been, has been probably the most life-changing moments of life because you, in, 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 a, in a good way, you realize that there's, there's, it's really not about you and your motivation and determination to do things exponentially increases, right? Because it's very easy to get comfortable if it's just you, right? You, you, you know, okay, I'm hungry. Well, I don't want to go get anything to eat. I'll just eat, you know, a bologna sandwich or, you know, peanut butter and jelly or whatever. If it's just you. But when you have kids, you know, if you're doing it right, then, you know, they're not, they can't eat bologna and peanut butter and jelly every day. You know I mean? You got to get up and make something happen. And so it's just that motivation that you get. And so part of what I'm doing now is part of what motivates me now is that I want my children to see that you can do whatever it is that you set your mind to. And I think that that's a powerful example because whatever they want to do, they can do it. You know, you don't have to be like that, right? Be yourself, but you're, it's possible that you can be the best version of yourself if you put your mind to it. Yeah, and it's also the idea, like as you said, if you if you focus on it like really, really hard and then you do actions that lead that follow in that focus, then you can achieve that thing that you focus on. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So what is your favorite passage? I have several. One I really enjoy right now is, well, I got several. God's way is perfect is one. It's the Proverbs because I truly believe that. That's another one. God is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. 
Another one is with God, nothing is impossible. That one's in. Those are those are some that that just really you know really kind of speak to me right now, more so. But that that I'll I'll lean on all the time. You know, one that I really like. You know, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think is is if I had to say it was my favorite or one that was one that is a cure all. <laughs> in any situation, yeah. you know, that, that, that cure all scripture for you will be that one. Or like I said, you know, with God, nothing is impossible. And, and, you know, and I like to, I mean, I, I lean hard on, on that. I lead, I lean hard on, on the word, you know, and, and make it do what it is that it says it's going to do by just trusting, right? Like it's no special thing I do. It's just, I really, when I, in, in the situation where I'm, you know, stressed or dealing with something, it's like, nah, man, you know, hey, he, he's a lamp to my feet. He's a light to my path. He's going to show me which way to go. Let me back up. Let me get out the way. You know, hey, with God, nothing's impossible. Okay, we're going to find this thing we need. It's going to work out, you know, or, 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 you know, if it doesn't work out how I wanted to, it wasn't supposed to, there's something. And that's something that, you know, I always try to lean on as well. Yeah, so that's the. It's perfect scripture that I try to lean on. So in terms of you starting, it is, you can have it all. You also started Camp Warrior King. Now, how did Camp Warrior King come about? And where are you guys with that right now? Camp Warrior King started uh, pretty much out of a need. We were doing the martial arts. I was doing martial arts classes. During the school year, during the summertime, there wasn't any, you know, any schools because I was primarily working my classes out of, out of public schools, the school. So we needed to be able to generate revenue during the summertime. And then also there was this need for how do we continue to develop these kids? And so it started out that way. It started out, first camp I did was a spring camp for a week and spring break. And I did a martial arts camp and the parents, you know, were interested in doing something for the summer and said, you know, Hey, instead of one week, do you mind doing 10? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we said, okay, all right, well, let's go ahead and do it. And, uh, and we did, and, you know, it's been for the camp itself. It's been, uh, it'd be 10 years next year that we've been doing camp warrior King and it's just been a blast. And I say that because, you know, initially I didn't want to work with kids. Initially, I didn't have a passion at all to work with you. It wasn't something I was interested in. I couldn't stand kids. And uh, and so here I am, you know, all these years later, you know, working with kids and talking about how fun it is to actually do these camps. And so where we are now is uh, we're getting, you know, geared up for summertime, getting geared up for our, our, our ninth year Camp Warrior King and, you know, really excited about it. The kids have a great time. We have a great time. We have all kind of fun stuff in store that we're going to do this summer. There's always some kind of cool surprise that not only surprises the kids, but surprises us. And, you know, we're just really looking forward to it. So what types of martial arts do you guys teach? I am a Hapkido and Taekwondo instructor by trade. So that's pretty much, but now... You know, it's, you know, kids are more into mixed martial arts. They're more into, you know, a more 
art forms, if you will, just because of what they're seeing on TV, right? You have UFC, you got all this stuff out there. So now we try to create, you know, more of a mixed martial arts atmosphere because it's more fun for the kids and their, their interest level, it keeps their interest a lot more than some of the traditional, uh, more traditional arts. Did you ever compete competitively internationally or nationally? No, 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 I did not. That, that wasn't my thing, man. I, I give kudos to any of the guys that like to go and get into a cage or a ring and compete uh, on a national or international level. But that, that's not my bag at all. So how did you find yourself learning Hapkido in order to, was it in order to teach these children or was it simply something personal to you? It was something personal to me. My mom put me in martial arts to keep me, you know, just like with most kids, you want to have discipline and structure and, you know, and not be doing stupid stuff. <laughs> and so that's why I got in there and I always enjoyed it. It was something I always enjoyed to do as a kid. I, you know, stuck with it as an adult. And in about 2008, when the market started changing, you know, I'd been doing martial arts, of course, for a while at that point. And a buddy of mine said, hey, look, man, you know, maybe we should start teaching some classes. You know, we can actually make some some extra money, some side money teaching martial arts classes. And I'm like, oh, man, that sounds like a pretty cool idea. You know, let's try it out. And, it, and so we tried it out and we worked real good, had a great time. And then, you know, he actually went into film doing like being a double for like in movies and stuff, doing action movies. And I started, uh, yeah, started the program and started working with you. Yeah. So when you were setting up the self-defense classes, uh, mm -hmm. did you learn anything in terms of organizational skills of creating the, the, the area, how to deal with clients? Was there anything that you learned from that, that you then carried into, you can have it all? Oh, geez, man. Absolutely. There was so much I learned from that. I mean, looking back at it, that was the the catalyst. That was, you know, you, you know, God will, you know, you, it's like training ground. You get training ground, right? It talks about don't despise humble beginnings, right? Or small beginnings. And the martial arts was my opportunity to have great interaction with parents to learn a lot about how to work with them and work with their kids. Because again, I didn't have any of that knowledge. That wasn't something that I, I wanted to do. I didn't go to school for that. Um, and so it taught me a lot and allowed me to get a lot of practice, make a lot of mistakes to be able to go to these other levels. Also, the benefit of, of martial arts, as you said, was the discipline and oh, also yeah. focus. Absolutely. Absolutely. When was that moment that you realized that this is something that I'm doing and this is what I love? I think that that moment happens for me on a daily basis. I think that, you know, I mean, because every day it's like, man, I really love what I do. I'm thankful that I get to do it. And it's like, okay, I want to keep doing this. This is something I want to do the rest of my life. And you, I mean, every day isn't, you know, lollipops and rainbows, right? But, but, but most days you have this feeling of, okay, this is really cool. I think, I think that what I may do, you know, 10, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, I would love to still be running, you know, a camp and to still have magazines and all that stuff. 
but I'm sure I'll be, you know, doing some other things as well. I think the, if I answer the question correctly, it would be, I wanted to be free from a job. That was my preference. I wanted to be a business owner. I believe in the idea of free enterprise. I believe in the idea of being able to own your own time and to be able to call your own shots, which means that you also got to take your own, you got to take risk, right? And get shot at and, and take the bumps and bruises. But, but I prefer that over for me, you know, working, you know, in a, in a job or a place I didn't want to be, I wanted to be outside and go when I wanted to. And so that happened. It was about 2011 that I had left the job for a second time. So I, you know, tried to step out on my own and did some things and the market changed. I had to go back. Right. And uh, about 2011 was when I was really able to, you know, say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm, you know, never going back to, to working for somebody else. And, you know, I had a letter in my bathroom actually that I would read every day. It was my resignation letter. <clears throat> And I would read that letter and I had promised myself that I was going to take it off my wall and give it to uh, my boss. And I actually took the off my wall and handed it to him and was like, man, I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, Sean, this has been an incredible conversation. If... I have one more question for you, and that is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? <laughs> Ma, you can have it all magazine. <laughs> I'm not even playing. <laughs> it would be trying to buy the magazine. I mean, I that like, for real, it would be. I mean, it would be, hey, buy this magazine uh, is what it would be. If right now, if I could send a worldwide text to every person in the world, it would be, it would be go to, you can have it all dot magazine.com or ychiamag.com and uh, buy a copy of the magazine. Why would that be your text? It would be my text for several reasons. It would one, because the, the magazine is good. It, it's an amazing magazine. It builds self-efficacy and self-confidence in youth. I believe that it is the most powerful tool out to do that for children, second to the word. And and I believe that it's going to continue to make an impact. And that's one. Uh, second, because of what I would be able to do with the revenue, I would be able to continue to build our programs and be able to build orphanages around the world, which is one of the things that I want to do to be able to help more youth to be able to help more children, be able to donate more to the things that I be able to, you know, just do a lot of positive and great things with the revenue that I see out here that I want to do. Well, Sean, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Roses. I appreciate it, man. I, I really do. I, I really appreciate it. I know you weren't expecting that one. <laughs> I was, yeah, truth be, truth be told, I wasn't, but it, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a really good text up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. Hey, yes, sir. Okay. Well, thank you, Sean. Man, Moses, thank you, man. I appreciate it, brother. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at the Black Gold Pod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation so the stories of these incredible and amazing people will be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else. If you want to stay updated on the podcast or be in the know with the various things that I'm up to, you can sign up for the MTY Midweek Newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get access to a weekly email every Wednesday with behind the scenes of the podcast and other projects that I am currently up to. So make sure to visit blackgoldpod.com and sign up for the MTY Midweek Wednesday Newsletter below.